Welcome to Liver Talk, a podcast series that shares personal and professional stories about hepatitis as well as liver related news. Before we begin this episode, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening to this podcast. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and to any Indigenous people who are listening to this podcast. In this episode, we will be talking about the Viral Hepatitis Mapping Project, which is undertaken by the WHO Collaborating Centre for Viral Hepatitis at the Doherty Institute in partnership with ASHRAM and is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health. We recently attended the virtual launch of the 2018-2019 National Report, in which Jennifer McLaughlin from the Doherty Institute, who currently leads the National Viral Hepatitis Mapping Project, spoke about the new additions in this report, the outcomes and the implication this data could have both on the 2030 elimination goals and more broadly. Affectionately referred to by those in the sector as the Bible of Viral Hepatitis, the mapping project is an invaluable resource containing up-to-date location-specific data on all areas of the care cascade for hepatitis B and C. For this episode, we had the wonderful opportunity to interview Jen and hear her thoughts and insights regarding this new national report. On top of leading the National Viral Hepatitis Mapping Project, Jen is a senior epidemiologist for the WHO Collaborating Centre for Viral Hepatitis at the Doherty Institute. Her research focuses on innovative utilisation and analysis of publicly available data sets to inform epidemiology and public health action. We began by asking Jen to describe what the mapping project is. The mapping project is a project that really aims to bring together a lot of different information sources about viral hepatitis in Australia. So it can be a little bit of a uh, sort of a one-stop shop for people who are looking to understand what's going on with viral hepatitis in their geographic area, particularly. So for example, if you're working in a given region and you'd like to know how many people are affected, what's the level of treatment uptake, how does your area compare to others, you can find that information. Or if, for example, you're wanting to look at a state and sort of prioritise, well, where do we really need to focus our um, attention, you can get a good sense of that from from the project. Great so you've just launched a, a new mapping report which is very exciting. Could you give us some of the highlights from the latest report? So in terms of key findings I think one of the the main outputs of this report is really looking at how far we've progressed so far, but then what we still need to do. So for hepatitis C, it's been amazing to see that we now have among the highest treatment uptake for hepatitis C in the world. 40% of people living with hep C have been treated since 2016. But what we're starting to see is a real drop off in the numbers who are getting treated every every year. And so we're starting to decline in terms of our, reaching our goals. And this is one of the things that we've included in the mapping report for the first time is some projections looking at uh, how we're progressing in terms of meeting our targets. And this report shows that at the current level of treatment um, uptake, we're not on track to reach our 2022 national strategy target, which is to have 65% treatment uptake. And of course, the geographic aspect is a key part of that. So there are some places, uh, some primary health networks across Australia who are on track to meet those targets, about a third of our regions, but the majority aren't. And so we really need to focus on making sure that everywhere is, is progressing towards those goals. In terms of hepatitis B, uh, it's sort of more of a case of we are continuing to gradually improve every year in terms of people newly engaged in care, people getting treated, but we're not progressing nearly quickly enough. And so we're also not on track to meet our targets for hepatitis B. 
and we actually have only half the number of people in care and receiving treatment as we estimate that we need. And there's still a third of people living with hep B who are undiagnosed. And so we really need to look at trying to improve those numbers so we can avoid the, the adverse outcomes of viral hepatitis. And what we're trying to do is sort of look at the areas that are in greatest need of focus. And what we find with hep B is that although some areas are doing really well, for example, Southwest Sydney has the highest treatment uptake in the country, uh, it's still below the optimal level. So it's sort of a message that really everywhere needs to prioritise and focus on trying to, to improve. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I definitely think for a lot of people working in the sector, the inclusion of the projection in relation to the 2030 elimination goals is so useful because it's such a practical way of looking at something that we're all working towards, but don't really know where we're at with it. And so it is it is a really good kind of wake up call, but also just really useful information. And so that's one of the things that is new in this report. Compared to previous years, is there anything else that is different or new? One of the other things that we tried to look at in more detail as well is some of the questions around um, engagement and care for hepatitis B in particular. So previously, we were just looking at a single measure. So it was just the proportion of people living with hep B in a given area who'd had a monitoring test in, in that year, so in 2018. Uh, but we were really getting a lot of feedback that what people wanted to know was more about the long-term engagement and care. They wanted to see whether people were getting regular checkups, which is what the guidelines recommend, uh, and whether they were sort of coming in and out of care, that kind of thing. So one of the key measures that we've looked at in this report is the proportion of people who've had regular guideline-based care every year for the last five years. And we find that that proportion is, is quite a bit lower. Um, so it's, it's only 10% of people with hep B who've had regular care, as opposed to about 20% of people who've had some care in the last five years. You know, they've had one or two viral loads. So I think that's a really important measure when we're thinking about the, the I suppose it's a, a tricky part of ongoing chronic disease management. It just reflects how challenging it can be to engage someone and make sure that they're keeping on coming back and um, returning for their appointments and, and how to communicate with people to make sure that that's something that, that they can understand and appreciate how important it is. So we hope that that information is, is helpful for clinicians um, and also in highlighting the, the lack of engagement that's happening at the point of diagnosis. So one of the other things that we found is that over half of all people who have hep B have never even had um, an initial viral load monitoring test that really you need uh, as an essential diagnosis worker. And so we hope that that can sort of help to identify some of the um, major gaps in the cascade of care that, that might need to be focused on. Well, so much relevant information for our clinicians and health service providers and for this entire sector. Um, it's, and it's really useful how it is broken down with specific PHNs. Will, will people be able to extract a snapshot of what's happening in their PHN quite easily from the report? Or is, is that something that there is a, a process to encourage different PHNs to do? Yeah, for sure. And, and there's a couple of other sort of opportunities for that. So uh, last year we launched our online portal which is a really great tool. So the mapping book gives you a great overview of all of the regions and you can look up your PHN and you can identify it. But if you really want to have more of a detailed look at comparing two different regions or if you want to see a ranking, for example, of all of the regions in your state, um, you can go onto the online portal and you can sort of select things and you can compare and all that kind of stuff. And there's a separate one for Hep B and Hep C. So we hope that that will actually really encourage people to, to kind of log on and, and have a look at how they're doing and how they compare to their surrounding regions. Regions. 
And one of the other things is that we're always here as a resource if people want more information about their region, if they want uh, more detailed historical information, or they want to know more about the trends or the priority populations that are affected by hepatitis B, for example, in a region because they're planning health promotion or that kind of thing. Uh, we're always happy to provide more information in detail if people are interested in a specific region. And we'll put a link to the report, the online portal, and the contact details in the show notes of this podcast. So if you're interested in more information, that will all be there for you. What is the, from your point of view, the value in having that localised data? Have you seen any examples of where people have used that really well and it's been really beneficial? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're, we're really lucky to work with a lot of people who are incredibly passionate advocates for raising the profile of viral hepatitis and some of the work that they do has been really uh, amazing and it's it's great when they use our data and they can sort of look at an area and say you know we need to focus here because there's more hep B here than anywhere else in in Sydney for example and so that's what it's really been used for a lot when when clinicians or when policy uh, workers or when people who are doing health promotion are trying to target and one of the other aspects is that often in viral hepatitis, we're working in a bit of a limited funding environment. And although we would love to be able to reach out to everyone who is in need, it's not always possible. So being able to prioritise and think about where you might get the most impact for a given intervention, I think that can be really helpful. And we've seen that previously when, for example, people have been printing up pamphlets in other languages, we've been able to provide them a list of priority languages for that region and say, well, these are the communities who are most commonly affected and this might be a good um, thing to focus on. And I think one of the other things that has been really great is being able to highlight some of the success stories. So the team up in the NT have been doing just amazing work around uh, hepatitis B. The burden there is really substantial and they've been working incredibly hard to get people engaged in care. And for them to be able to go back to their government and their funders and say, hey, this is what we've achieved. It's really powerful to be able to say this needs to continue. Um, And also that the NT was lagging behind and now it's a, a leader in Australia and we need to make sure that that continues. So when we're thinking about where do we need to focus in order to try and close the gaps and in order to try and make more progress towards these strategic goals, I think it's, it's quite different for hepatitis B and hepatitis C. One of the things that has come up quite a lot in hepatitis C is the idea that we've done really well in providing treatment to people who were already engaged in care. But one of the real gaps is in continuing to diagnose and re-engage people who may have been diagnosed previously and make sure that they're aware and able to access treatment. So I think that's one of the things that we see when we look at the, the continuing decline in the number of people treated. It's not because there aren't people who are out there who are untreated and who um, need access to therapy. It's just because, you know, they may not have been picked up by their GP. Someone might not be aware that they have untreated hep C. The level of diagnosis isn't happening. So I think that's one of the key aspects that we really need to focus on. And we've done really great work in, in upskilling practitioners to prescribe but maybe we need to look even further back at the the other end and say we need to upskill everyday GPs to be screening and diagnosing that kind of thing. When it comes to hepatitis B when we look at the cascade the biggest gap by far is in the people who've been diagnosed but who are not getting regular monitoring and so we need to focus at all steps but if we're trying to look at the the greatest number of people it's really in in that group and we need to think about how we make sure that the process of uh, work up after someone's diagnosed is really routine and making sure that we've got plans in place for how to make sure someone is getting regular care uh, once they're diagnosed. And so all of this being said, you know, and there's so many different points of information, 
what is the message that you hope clinicians and other people working in the sector will take away from the report? I did. Th I thought about this a lot and I still don't think I have a good answer, but I think, I think what I'd say is if people take something away from it, it would be looking at some of those good news stories, like I mentioned, it would be looking at areas that have a lot of challenges in terms of delivering health services, places that have very remote populations, that have underlying socioeconomic disparities and uh, that kind of thing, but they've still managed to achieve really amazing things in terms of delivery of care. I think we really need to look at those regions and say what are, what are they doing what's working for them and we know that a lot of it is really grounded in community input into the response it's grounded in those sort of compassionate and thoughtful responses to a holistic approach to someone's health not just focusing on one infection that kind of thing so I think that's what I'd like people to take away is yeah that's a fantastic thing to take from the report and a, a wonderful measure for people who have been doing really inspiring work You've spoken a lot about some of the results that have come through this report from the data that you've looked at. Is, is there anything particularly that came through that you found surprising? One of the things that we were quite surprised about, and I, um, I didn't mention this when we talked about the new things, but one of the things that we looked at for the first time in this report is the provision of monitoring for people who have been treated for hep C. So after they've completed treatment, it's recommended that everyone receive an SVR test um, to check that they've cleared the virus and the treatment has been effective. Now we know that for the vast majority of people, more than 95% of people who are treated, the treatment's effective, but it's still a key part of the provision of care. And what we found is that up to a third of people who finished their hep C treatment didn't actually have a follow-up test to just check that they had cleared the infection. And that's something that sort of we think needs to be focused on a little bit more because we know that a lot of people who are cured of hep C still have underlying liver disease. And that's something that's important to make sure that is still monitored and managed and um, because they are at risk still of, of liver cancer. And, and liver failure and that sort of thing. So for most people, it's not an issue, but for certain groups, it's, it's a worry. And so I think we'd like to see a focus shifting potentially, not just on getting people treated, but making sure that we're taking care of that person going forward. Over time, what we saw is that a greater proportion of people who were treated by specialists actually had their follow-up testing done by a GP. So I think that's also a really good opportunity if uh, you're a GP and you're seeing a patient who's come back to you from a specialist who's had hep C treatment, just making sure that they've had that follow-up testing, I think is a really important thing. And it's great to see that kind of shared care model where people can have their ongoing care in, in primary care where it's much more convenient. Yeah, that's a really good point. We've seen that evolve quite a lot over time as to where people are accessing their care and that changed quite a lot. Mm. So yeah, the more that it can get followed through is really good. Thanks again so much for joining us and for all the work that you've done to create this insanely useful report that we're very excited to be able to access. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. That's great. Thanks very much. Liver Talk is produced by Hepatitis Victoria, Liverwell, a community organisation in Nam, Melbourne, Australia, that supports people affected by or at risk of liver disease. 